0: Super Clash. It is the Super Clash podcast, episode 34. We are back after we missed an episode, and we'll get into that uh, in a little bit. But first, I am your host, Kale. Hey, it's Connor again. And the reason why we took a week off is because my ceremony finally happened. Uh, for those who aren't quite in the know, I already got married in October of 2021. And we still decided to have a, I guess you could say, quote, traditional ceremony so family and friends can celebrate with us. And that was uh, March 20th, and the weather was beautiful. It was a lot of fun. Uh, this man across the way was my best man. Indeed I was. And it was all around a good time. I uh, got to play with fire. Yeah, you did get to play with fire. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it was fun, but Lily and I we're just glad it's over with because our bank accounts are hurting. Feel you there, and dude. Now, now, granted, compared to the amount of money spent on other weddings, we didn't spend that much. Yeah, but still, I don't know why weddings are so fucking expensive. Yeah, I don't know, man. I don't it's know. It's like this is why we're glad that we got legally married because. Uh, all that we had to spend on were, I guess, the rings, but a wedding license, basically. Yeah. A mar- marriage license, which in the state of Kansas is 80 bucks. Kansas? Yeah. Uh, because the uh, rent fare was on the Kansas side, we had uh, to register for a marriage certificate on the Kansas side. Gotcha. Interesting. Whereas Missouri is like 50 bucks. Huh. Mm-hmm. Interesting. It, which I actually learned the hard way because I, cause I didn't realize that uh, that marriage licenses were state-based. I thought it was just you get a marriage license, then you're good to go with whatever. No, you have to apply for a marriage license in the state that uh, you want to get married in. Hmm. So those rich fuckers that get married in Hawaii, they have to apply for a Hawaiian marriage license. Interesting. Yeah. I wonder so. if that
1: means anything, though, down the line. Like is Probably any... not, like,
0: because when you think about it, you have to submit it to get federal taxes um, deducted. Mm-hmm. And so that's why it doesn't make any sense to me. Hmm. But uh, this this is not a marriage podcast. It could be. It could be with a good attitude, but I am uh, a, I don't know anything about marriage, I guess. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> She just married me for my money. Yeah, well, she's going to be disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, uh, but still, I'm still kind of recovering uh, from that. Uh, but uh, on the bright side, I did play some games. Uh, we, I watched a couple movies, one of them with you. Uh, so I'm going to go ahead and just dive in with a quick um, update on Elden Ring. Um, I kind of played with a little bit of the multiplayer, not PvP, but I called in some friends to help with the boss, and I had a lot of fun with that. A few more hoops to jump through than previous games. Uh, Maybe you had to be in, like, somewhat of the same area, uh, in order to summon somebody. But, uh, my friend Brett had to be in the same area and put his summon sign down, ...for me to um, summon him to fight a boss. Interesting. Um, maybe that was in previous uh, Souls games, but the last game I engaged in the multiplayer was Bloodborne. And all you had to do was like, sh- like shoot a, uh, a, f- like a gun in order to, to summon somebody. There was no summon sign that, sh- that you would um, uh, have to click on. How long does the summon last? Uh, the summon will last until the boss of that area is dead. Interesting. So you could technically just like, you know, play
1: through an entire area. They leave. You get to a new area. You summon them back and just keep playing.
0: Yeah. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Exactly. That's that's exactly what it is. And so and I also and I'm sorry, this is if I'm explaining this poorly, you know, as I said, I'm still recovering after a week. I um, uh, kind of played with group passwords so there is uh multiplayer password and group password. Uh, the multiplayer password is like uh, two players that have the same password. It's a lot easier for you to match with each other. And that's how my friend Brett and I uh, m- met or uh, or uh, uh, played together is we had the same password. I just did help 420, you know, blaze oh it. God. <laughs> Um, and he put down a summon sign. No other summon signs popped up except his. Interesting. So, But a group password, however, and you can have five of these, up to five. Um, you get benefits by having this group password. Um, if someone defeats a major boss, uh, your runes, the amount of runes you get, increase by 5%. And they last for a couple minutes or, or, or until you, I think, rest at a bonfire. And so I have two of them set one for a podcast network I'm involved in, or I'm a patron and another for body video, his, uh, his, uh, group. And every, I would say maybe every five minutes or so, one person in that community defeats a major boss, and I get 5% increase in runes and I've been getting quite a bit because of it. Sweet. So it's, it's been kind of been changing how I play the game and it's been, actually making farming a little bit easier because right now um i did some looking on on the wiki and the pickaxe actually scales more than like a special weapon with strength Hmm. and so i've been kind of working towards that in order to do more damage because i kind of feel like my longsword that i've been using which once i modify it has a beast uh scaling the strength just I feel like I've been not. I'm not doing as much damage, so I've been kind of playing with that a little bit. So, other than that, that's been kind of my Elden Ring experience. That's really the only game I've been playing aside from Kirby. And yeah, that's all I got to say about that. That's all you got to say about that. Yep. That's fair. Because as I said, I'm. Never mind. (laughs) 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 Go ahead, Connor.
1: Well, uh, I've only been really playing. I guess. Two games they kind of go together. So, have you ever played any of the Life is Strange games?
0: I've heard of them, I've never played them.
1: So, so far, at least from the ones I've played through, they take place uh, where the main character is typically an adolescent and there's typically um, some sort of supernatural aspect to it, um, and then also. You make decisions in the game, dialogue decisions, and actual, like, choices in the game mm-hmm. to do certain things, and that changes the outcome of the story. And at the very end of each chapter of the game, it gives you a breakdown of what everybody else chose percentage-wise. So it can say, like, oh, only 10% of the people made the choice that you did, or, oh, 90% of the people said that, you know, did what you did, right? Interesting. So,
0: so it's immediate feedback. Yeah. Okay. Yes,
1: correct. And so uh, I played the... I looked actually yesterday. I played the first game back in 2018. So it's been a while. So I won't go into that one because I know I'm going to be really fuzzy on that one. But um, Life is Strange 2 is the one I've been playing. But there was a sort of prologue or prequel game that they released for free. Oh, nice. Called The Awesome Adventures of Captain Spirit. Um, That one actually... It technically takes place in chapter two of Life is Strange 2, but I'm not going to complicate things. But that's the one I actually have beaten so far. Um, and I've actually gotten to chapter three in Life is Strange 2. But in the awesome adventures of Captain Spirit, uh, you play as a, I believe, a nine year old boy who's, uh, I guess, his mother, it's implied that she was maybe hit by a car. Hmm. Um, and then uh you're just alone with your dad who it's also implied that he is a kind of a drunk and he possibly lays his hands on you
0: oh god
1: and so you're playing as this this little boy who he's obsessed with like comic book heroes and he has a bunch of action figures and he dresses up as a superhero and you kind of get to have a little slice of life moment with him where uh you understand his his situation how he desperately wants to have superpowers basically and it kind of ends i don't want to like spoil anything but it ends connecting it to life is strange 2 hmm. so uh i'll give like a brief introduction to life is strange 2 cuz as like i said i'm only on chapter 3 there's 5 chapters um, Life of Strange 2 takes place um, with a your main character is a, a teenage boy, he is 16 uh, and he has a younger brother who is also 9 um, they are the game starts with you preparing to go to a Halloween party you know, you're know you getting your, your weed, your <laughs> your booze, your condoms you're your, your ready to do everything like teenagers yeah buddy, ready to do and while you're talking to your childhood friend over over Skype, uh, you hear your brother getting into some kind of altercation outside, and you go out, and there's this teenage boy who's basically laying hands on your little brother, and you can choose how you want to intervene with that. And I chose to punch the dude, as any older teenage brother should do if your little brother's yeah. getting, you know, harassed mm-hmm. by a teenager. Exactly. Um, and. Uh, what ends up happening is you get into this fight and you you push the the bully down and he I I guess he goes unconscious or something. Well, then a cop shows up and this whole altercation occurs. Um, I don't want to like spoil big things for the story. Uh-huh. Um, something ends up happening to the cop. It gets pinned on you and so you take your little brother and you run and you go on the run through uh washington state and you you try to survive in the wild for a while you have run-ins with um the make america great crowd and, oh and i should say the two main characters are hispanic in this one So you get some of that sort of level of racism towards them, Mm. and there's also a lot of the like, um, kind of sentiment that we deal with in our political climate now of the the cop is painted as this um, martyr, this martyr. You know, he was a great guy. He did all this stuff. Blah blah blah. You know, he wouldn't he wouldn't mess with. You know, Hispanic people. He was a good person, and the reality of the situation is—I don't want to spoil it—but he—it's the—it's the opposite. The probably. cop ends up doing something to them instead, right? And and it spirals into this event, um, and so you you kind of have to deal with that that political climate in this game a little bit. Um, You end up living on your own with your brother in the cold, and he ends up getting sick. Um, You have to deal with um, the loss of not only one, but two loved ones so far throughout the game. Um, And then you end up basically, as far as I've gotten, you end up joining some runaways um, because you went to try to go stay with your – I say you, I'm talking about the main character, who you're playing as, mm-hmm. your proxy character. He ends up, uh, his, his grandparents' house ends up getting surrounded by the police when they try to like go hide out there, and then they end up going on the run again. So that's where I'm at now. It's a very emotional game at times, for sure. Uh, it's very, I still think, relevant, despite the fact that the game came out several years ago. Um and
0: honestly I've been thinking about all day I just want to get back and keep playing it. Nice. It, it draws you in, man. I'm interested too. Maybe if we can <laughs> pull our wives away from the downstairs TV, <laughs> we can Hell yeah, man. Well, we we still need to finish little nightmares as well. Ah, <sighs> <sighs> yes. I really want Both of them. Yes, I know. We need so, to play them. Yeah, we just need to pick a time in order to play it. But that sounds really cool. Yeah. So that's So, let's move on real, real quick. Um before we get into the three movies in a trilogy, uh, Connor and I, we watched uh, a couple nights ago, The Invisible Man. Oh, yeah. Um, This is a movie that I've seen already, and I was really excited to see Connor's reaction of the film. Uh, So go ahead, Connor. Uh, What was your thoughts on this movie? I thought it was
1: a good movie. Um... It, I think it defied some expectations I already had about it. I knew very little going into it, which is a good thing. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I basically, my understanding of the premise going in was that it's about this this woman who believes that her husband has found a way to basically be invisible, but also like fuck up her life. Mm-hmm. And that was my only understanding of the film. And I kind of thought it was going to be one of those movies that ends either ambiguously or it ends on kind of a hopeless note. Um, But it definitely didn't end that way. I don't want to spoil the ending for anyone in case there are people out there who still want to watch it. But it's not one of those two things if you're expecting those things. Mm -hmm.
0: Um, I really, really enjoyed this movie. And there were a couple of things I noticed a second time uh, watching this film. One of the uh, major themes of this film is um, gaslighting. Yes. And it's all about basically an abusive relationship. And as well as, I guess, one of the themes is PTSD from being in an abusive relationship. There is a scene where after she leaves, she's afraid to go out of the house. She's staying with a friend. Yeah. And this is not much of a spoiler, but she can't even step outside to go to the mailbox because she's afraid that. Uh, her boyfriend would find him or fi- or find her mm-hmm. and she got as f- there was one scene where she got as far as um, the mailbox and there was just a dude jogging and she immediately turned around thinking it was him and ran back in the house yeah and so the the whole movie is shot there's there's a lot of negative space camera work in in this movie to make you feel super uneasy like is he there is he not there yes. And what's interesting is because one of the themes is PTSD, at least this is my perspective of it, uh, they really do make it look like the main character has gone crazy. Yes, yes. And, like, this invisible man that that she claims is there is just a form of her PTSD,
1: yeah, you can tell as the film progresses too that she
0: appears more
1: and more crazy as she becomes more and more exasperated and paranoid and, and, and yeah, exactly, paranoid and and she just like to everyone around her appears that she's not only crazy but she's possibly lashing out physically. Mm-hmm. She's um d- you know damaging things, you know, she's causing trouble.
0: Yeah. And <laughs> but it's it's so it's so so good. Um, this is actually part of one of my favorite movies I've seen in the last year. Just because I I, I generally like thrillers more than horror. I wouldn't really call this a horror movie. No, it's more of a thriller. Yeah, like more of a psychological with with some a little bit of sci fi touch to it. Yeah, just just because like the the boyfriend. This is this is not a spoiler. It's established pretty early on. The boyfriend is, like, a leader in um, the optics industry, and he basically builds a suit that, that renders him basically invisible. Yeah. And so, and of course, he's he's abusive, he's controlling, and, and that's why the main character tries to get away. But sure enough, just like every abusive boyfriend, he finds her and just... Screws with her and the, to where the point. The only way this can all stop is if if she goes back to him.
1: I kind of like how, without saying too much, the ending is still ambiguous. You never get any admission of guilt mm-hmm. from uh, the the husband. You you never get any of that.
0: Mm-hmm. And and I have and I have to say this because this is not a spoiler at all. Because just because of the title, The Invisible Man. Uh, uh, her friends say that he killed himself out of out of like sadness, basically. Yes. When this is not true at all. Yeah. And this that's not a spoiler. That's the whole premise of the film. Yes. Is everyone thinks he's dead, but in reality he's tormenting uh the main character. Or is he? Mmm. A little little bit of a hint there. <laughs> you know, is he doing it?
1: I mean, that's that's the whole question throughout the entire movie: Is this really happening? Is it really him? And even to the very end, it's not a hundred percent clear. Mm-mm. You could still have a little doubt in your mind and be like, you know, maybe he wasn't, you know. Mm-hmm. And that's that's I think what makes it a good movie to actually like discuss. And you know, maybe at some point in the future we could do a spoiler cast where we say, all right, yeah, you know, there's going to be spoilers here. Don't don't listen, mm-hmm. but. It's definitely worth a watch, and I'm glad I did. It's been on my to watch
0: list for a while. So when you proposed it, I was like, "Yeah, let's watch it." You mm-hmm. know, so d- definitely a g- really great film, one of my favorite films of of recent years. So hmm. nice, but yeah, The Invisible Man. It's directed by Lee Winnell. And so I, th- which I think has done, uh, the Conjuring films. Did you do the Conjuring or um the Saw films? It was one of those. Let's see here. Yeah, I think he did write Saw. Okay, yeah, he did. Yep, he wrote Saw. Oh, and Upgrade. He directed Upgrade as well. That was a, that was a movie that we were gonna see, but we couldn't find. Yeah. Uh, he directed Aquaman. No. Oh, he was an actor in Aquaman. Oh. Uh. Looks like okay. All right. Uh, moving on. Uh. From my understanding, Connor, you and your wife sat through all three of the John Wick films.
1: Yes, we watched them over a period of let's see here. I started on the thirteenth through the sixteenth. We watched them. So yeah, so
0: in three. So what about a movie a day? Yeah, correct. And what? I I know how you feel about the films, so but what did uh your wife think of the films? uh she's seen him before as well okay um, she really i think she really likes them
1: uh she's always willing to watch him anytime i ask to uh she's a little bit more i think grossed out by some of the brutality uh at times Hmm. but i i on the other hand like find it so brutal i'm i end up like uh like laughing or smiling a yeah, little bit yeah it's it's, it's it's
0: it's one of that like I don't know how to, how to say it, but it's like it's you're just like oh oh yeah. man,
1: like when you see that, you know, you're like yeah yeah
0: yeah. That's I I don't know how my my wife is kind of the same thing a little bit, but not so much with gore, but with like sexual assault. That's that she can't watch anything with sexual assault in it, so she's a bit better with gore. Yeah, and, I I get really uncomfortable
1: with movies that have you know sexual assault or rape or anything yeah.
0: like that. But I I can do gore, uh, for the most part so (laughs)
1: yeah there's there's a lot of that um i feel like they really amped it up by the third film Mm -hmm. like that scene you know where they're they're in the hotel and they can't pierce the body armor so they just get shotguns and then just yeah. like spraying armor shotgun.
0: piercing shot uh, shotgun shells oh yeah
1: and they're just like sticking it up on them and just you know mm-hmm. point blank range well
0: well the first shot of like one of the one of the bad guys sweeping the area and it's either john or the other guy hiding behind the corner literally blows the top half of his head off yes. and it, in the shot it wasn't there was no cutaway
1: <laughs> or when he you know before he gets the shotguns, he takes a pistol and shoves it up underneath their, mm-hmm. their armor and pops them underneath. Yeah. That was pretty cool, too.
0: And so it's, uh, these films are just so much fun. And, and honestly, I think it's kind of the new standard of um, action films. Because bef- really before John Wick, there was a lot of action films which actually can be attributed to the Bourne series the way to shoot a fast paced action scene was a lot of cutaways. Um and that was very, very prevalent in the Bourne series, and the Bourne series kind of set that standard. And they just and that's why I think a lot of action movies up to John Wick, with a few exceptions, aren't that great because you can't see any of the action. Another thing that
1: I really like about these movies is they make John's character like human like mm-hmm. he gets injured he also gets his ass kicked too all a the lot. time he gets stabbed he gets shot he gets you know punched down thrown
0: falls from he a roof loses, he loses a limb
1: yes and i think the the creators of nobody which we'll talk a little bit about in a little while they took that as well and i really appreciate those in an action movie because it makes it feel like there's like stakes to it he's not like an a ungodly character yeah just he's He's not superhuman. Yeah,
0: he doesn't come out completely unscathed from every fight. It's like it's kind of like those old late eighties, early nineties action films where it's like it's either Sylvester Stallone or uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger. Like they don't get touched at all. Which don't get me wrong, I I get there's appeal. There's there's some appeal to that power fantasy. Yeah, power fantasy. But honestly, like you can say John Wick is kind of a power fantasy because he. he is super capable and he just kicks people's fucking asses, especially in the third film where he fights a seven foot six person single handedly who in real life is actually a basketball player. I believe. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: But no, he he takes on all of his foes kind of differently, too. Like, I remember there's one scene where he rolls up into a, a garage full of Russians and this really big one comes up to him, I think, with like a knife or some sort of or his fist up or something. And he just caps him. He's just like I'm. Not even gonna try to fight it, that guy. <laughs> it's really
0: funny because when you when you look at it, it um, especially with, with that scene in the second film, it almost subverts uh, kind of uh that typical action cliche, and actually, actually uh, it happened in the first one too in the pool house. There was that big muscly dude, mm-hmm. um, to where like there would be an extended fight scene in a typical action movie of. This little guy versus this super strong dude. Yeah. To where the first half of the fight would be the strong dude ha- having the upper hand, and the the little guy comes in, and uh, and eventually wins. That was, that was a very prevalent or um comment in the Indiana Jones films, except for that one scene. Yeah. <laughs> where he, the guy pulls out a sword, does all these crazy tricks, yeah. and he just
1: caps him and leaves. <laughs> yeah.
0: But but with John, he's like, nope. He he John's smart. He like. He has a gun, so he gets his distance, pulls out his gun, and shoots him in the kneecaps. Yeah, that's what a smart, trained person would do. <laughs>
1: yeah, he's like, I, I'm not even gonna try to fight this guy. <laughs> exactly. It's, he's like, I could win, but
0: like, you know, it's gonna use a lot of my energy. Yeah. So, but I I love these films. Like I I'm always down to watch these films because, um, the cor- the choreography, um, the gunplay, the how the shots go where you can s- see everything going on and and the cuts the cuts are cleverly uh hidden yeah too and so it's if you guys haven't seen this film which what kind of person are you if you haven't seen this film like go go get all three of them yes and you you'll you'll have a damn good time uh connor and i actually saw the third film in theaters yeah. um And that whole beginning scene in the museum with, like, the knives and the antique guns and everything was just so good. Yes, he's, like, trying to, like, piece together weapons to, like, use Mm -hmm. in there. And uh, the scene with Halle Berry and her dogs were brutal. (laughs) Like, those dogs loved loved, um, biting nuts. (laughs) Yes.
1: I actually watched the the bonus features and saw how they, like, trained those dogs. Mm -hmm. And basically, Halle Berry... Like became a a trainer, a dog trainer, just because of the amount of time and how she had to work with those dogs. So by the end of it, she's like, you know, I felt this huge connection with these animals,
0: which which worked for her character because she loved those dogs. Oh yeah, I like how they had little body armor. I best. know. It's like, oh, that's adorable. <laughs> One of my favorite lines in that in the, in that film was, Hallie said, "He shot my dog," and John's like, "I get it." <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so, but uh, let's move on to a movie, somewhat in the same universe. So you and I saw this together the first time too. Nobody. Yes. Starring, uh, oh god, his name just escapes Bob me. Bob Odenkirk. Bob Odenkirk. Saul. <laughs> yeah, Saul, good man. Yeah. Um, th- I would consider this one even more grounded than John Wick. Yes uh says this is a more recent film the premise of this is a is a man who was an ex um i guess not really i guess government assassin basically
1: yeah he was sent in to like kill like crooked cia fbi or even like politicians it seemed yeah.
0: like and he gets kind of, he, he gets bored of his suburban life a little bit um until someone breaks into his house and he goes in to try to uh, defend his home, but he stops, and he gets a lot of shit for it. Yeah,
1: he gets basically called like a wimp or a wussy or people expected him not to do anything. They're like, oh, that's okay.
0: We know you wouldn't do anything. And and it's so funny because it's implied that he got married and had kids to escape um, his old job, and that's probably why he didn't well there's a reason why he didn't he didn't do it but yeah um but then he something like triggers in him like he he gets a need to to like beat the shit out of somebody
1: yeah he gets he gets really angry after he realizes that like the people who came to rob him were just desperate people they Mm -hmm. weren't like evil and i think that he just like he snaps because he has this anger that he just can't unleash, right? And then that's when some Russian, like, goonies... The
0: action gods
1: bless him, basically. And mm-hmm. they get on this bus and they start harassing this girl on the bus. And, like, that's his, like, his freebie of, like, ah, mm-hmm. oh,
0: okay, you gave me some shit people to deal with. I can deal with them. And that whole bus scene is, like, that. I would say that bus scene's iconic now because... The bus scene starts off with him kind of—he's rusty, so he gets he gets the shit beat out of him at at first, and then he comes back and beats the ever living shit out of them. Oh yeah, I mean the ever loving shit—like breaks all their bones and their teeth and like and and crushes the trachea of one where he saves the life of him, but he's been without air for long enough to where he's basically brain dead. Yeah. And that's when the plot's plot happens, because that Russian was the brother of basically a, a guy in the Russian mob. He's not a mob boss, but he's high up in the mob. He's in charge of the Obshack, which is like the Russian mob's, like... Money. Yeah, all their money. And so he basically sends out a strike team to try to take him, and then he realizes what kind of person he is. Is like, okay, bring him alive. Yeah. So but great film great film I, I i only talked about maybe the first half of, yeah. of the film um, because the second half is is great
1: it, and honestly like i feel like just by talking about it this much you can see why when i was watching through john wick One, Two, Three, i was like well i got to watch nobody after right yeah. you know mm-hmm. you, you have to
0: they they're the same dna mhm and it's it's like i said it's heavily implied it's in the same universe because it's the same writer hmm same writer, and kind of the same tone. Like, the thing with John Wick, the, the John Wick films kind of have this weird tone to where this is, there's this underground society of assassins where their currency is gold coins. Yeah. And with uh, Nobody, there is almost like this underground society of um, what they call auditors. Yes, And so... And it's implied that the people
1: maybe in the military or in law enforcement know who they are mm-hmm. because he goes in to like interrogate this guy at a tattoo shop, at a tattoo shop. And this veteran sees his tattoo, says, thank you for your service <laughs> leaves and locks the door behind him
0: and with like 10 locks. Yes. And like, and like all these guys, these tough guys in the tattoo parlor, are kind of looking, looking at, at him as he's, lo- as he's locking all those doors and turns to him and goes, can I help you? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just <laughs> Yeah.
1: It's it's like they're on both sides of the spectrum. One mm. is like the farthest end of law enforcement, and one is like the farthest end of criminality.
0: Fingers crossed. For one, I hope there's a sequel to Nobody. It's implied at the end that there might be. Yeah, which I hope. Because he gets a phone call, and you don't know what it's about. And But at the same time, I kind of hope that phone call is a hint in John Wick 4 that there will be a crossover. That would be interesting, because who would you root for? Exactly. That's that's why I'm kind of hoping that that uh, Hutch, the character nobody, yeah, is on the is on the side of John Wick, because John Wick has no home now. With with, with the ending of um of John Wick three, because they're both they both are very morally gray
1: characters. Because mm-hmm. even though Hutch is more on like the the side of the government slash law enforcement, right? He he still just kills people in secret, you mm-hmm. know, and has no trouble killing everybody who's in his way
0: too. So yeah. Which by the way, nobody has like I think Christopher Lloyd's best role of oh, recent yeah. years. As Hutch's dad. Yeah. Like completely subverts your expectations as this old man. Like this and this is something too. Like I'm sorry, if this is all over the place. I'm tr- I'm trying to remain somewhat structured since our Midnight Mass spoiler episode was kind of all over the place. Um, John Wick is more serious. Nobody is a lot more comedic. Yes, I would say so. And so, especially in the second half of the film. So. Yeah, it's it's more having fun with the situation. Mm-hmm. I think. But. And plus, plus there's there's some good jokes in, in that film too. Where and the villain's more goofy too. Oh, he's super goofy. He's he's a he's a mob boss that a mob boss basically. He likes do karaoke. He does and... karaoke, and he sings, and it's just it's funny. Yeah, it's hilarious. And and there's there's a joke in that film too where Hutch tries to give his backstory to someone dying, then the camera turns, he's already dead.
1: <laughs> so yeah that was it happens twice to him. <laughs> twice yes he's talking to the dude after the car accident and he mm-hmm. looks over and he's like oh and then he like comes back to his house where there's all those like beat up people he's talking to this one turns around and he's
0: like oh. and then he just yeah it's it's, it's funny <laughs> <laughs> so but great music choices by the way it's all like like 80s rock and roll and yeah and uh, uh louis armstrong it's all great music choices I love too the the choice of
1: cars that they have in both John Wick and in uh, Nobody. They all kind of sort of favor these American muscle cars. And mm-hmm. I'm like, there's something about just you know <laughs> this dude racing <laughs> around in like an old classic car and then just like you know shooting
0: at people and so it's so exciting. Yes, great <laughs> films. Yeah, love those films. Um, I do have Nobody in 4K Ultra, and because I know the PS5 can play 4K. Yeah. I don't know what the reason is, but... Yes, I do know what you're talking about already. The graininess? The graininess. What's the deal with that? It's intentional. It was added in really? post.
1: I, I went out... It was okay. added to what? It was added in post. I uh. So, Laney and I popped it so in. That, just nobody, right? Just nobody. So, Laney and I were watching it, and she's like, this film looks really grainy. And we had the 4K disc in, and I was like, yeah, that is really weird, because we had just recently watched 1, 2, and 3 of John Wick, and so... I went on this online thing, and I was looking at—I just searched, like, you know, nobody film grainy. And there's a bunch of forums that were talking about how it was a stylistic choice to make it look like an older movie. They recorded it digitally, so there was no grain initially. And then they added film grain over it at
0: the end to make it look like an older film. But why? I mean, I, I bought the 4K film to watch it in the most, uh, the most clear it can be. I would agree with you. It's such a weird choice. Like at least, at least give us the choice to turn off film grain. I also don't remember it when we watched it the first time. No, no, you're absolutely right. It was not that grainy. That's
1: what makes me question. And we watched on the 4K TV the first time. The the
0: the Blu-ray is not grainy. The Blu-ray isn't. No. What the hell? Like to to my memory, the Blu-ray looks far less grainy than the 4K disc.
1: Hmm. I don't like that choice. Me neither. I wish there was an option like they put in video games to turn off film gray. Yeah.
0: And honestly, it kind of turned me away from uh, 4K because I thought that's how all the 4Ks were going to be. It's like that super grainy. It was like I, I thought it was something with the um, the PS5 to where maybe it wasn't reading the disc all the way like a dedicated 4K blue, uh, Blu-ray player.
1: Yeah. You want to know the worst part about that is – I literally had like a am I losing my mind moment with that because so I tried to stream. I have the digital copy of Nobody. So I tried watching it on, I think, Voodoo first. I hit play, and it only had the 1080p version. I was like, that's Hmm. stupid. All right, whatever. I went over to my Movies Anywhere account, which allows you to watch it in 4K, put it on. As soon as I changed it to 4K picture – it played the sound, black video. Thought that was weird. Tried it again and did, um, I did it through, I want to say, either YouTube or my Amazon account. Because they're all connected, my digital copies are. Same issue. Black screen, audio only. And I got pissed. And I said, screw it. And then the next day, put the 4K disc in in my PlayStation and watched it that way. And then saw the grain and I'm like, what the hell is going on with this movie? Wow. So but don't yeah. freak out if you put your disc in and it's grainy. That was an intentional
0: choice, I guess. Dumb choice, if anything. If you don't want the graininess, just go. Just go blue the regular Blu-ray. Hopefully, yeah. I need to check, double check that I, now. I do have Godzilla versus Kong on 4K. I haven't really popped that in yet. I should probably see, look at the difference there. That movie looks good. I think. Yeah, which it's a good movie too. Yes, I love movie. that movie. It's it's a good action, like, that's why I love action movies. It's it's one of those movies where you can turn your brain off and just enjoy what's in front of you it's a roller coaster ride yes exactly and that's that's why after like a long day um, I would much rather watch either a movie I'm familiar with already or an action film yeah so just just because like I don't want I don't want to think <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's fair I mean lately I've been in that kind of mood lately um, and this is probably a good point to to transition to the one of the last two things I was going to say is uh, I've been in this mood lately where I just want to rewatch action movies that I've seen before. Like I don't really feel like paying a ton of extra attention to like a new movie. And so uh, my wife really, really loves the world war Z game. Mm -hmm. Um, And so she's never seen the movie uh, or read the book, but uh, I have done all three, and so I was like, well, I'll, I'll rewatch the movie and you can watch it for the first time. Um, I. Upon rewatch, I still think the movie's alright. Uh, I always thought it was just okay. Um, I kind of wish they had stuck a little closer to the book's logic and reasoning for stuff, but I think the. Have you seen the movie? Mm, no, I haven't. Okay, then I'll keep it more vague. Um I think the the way that they go about solving the zombie virus issue is interesting and unique. However, I could see a lot of plot holes if you really tried to pick it apart. Mm-hmm. Um I can't say too much because that's kind of like the whole dealio with it. Um they do an interesting thing with the zombies where they kind of, you know, you've played the game where they kind of hoard up and they can like climb over things. Cause yeah. Their bodies are piling on one another that I think was probably one of the first times they did that in a zombie film. And they've kind of sort of done it in like train to Busan. Remember mm-hmm. the, the, final scene where they're trying to get on the train and get away. Yeah. The, the zombies start stacking and crawling on top of each other. Um, so that's kind of interesting, but Yeah, I I still just kind of wish they stuck closer to Max Brooks'
0: original book. That's what I heard. Like, they deviated from the book pretty heavily. Like It was more like an adaptation and not, like, related to the book, really. The book was more like a series of separate stories
1: taking place in the same universe. Mm -hmm. You know, you'd get, like, a perspective from this part of the world and then from this part of the world and then... You kind of get to the very end, and they're like, well, this is how we ended up solving it. Um, And to me, the ending for the book makes more sense. You know, in a lot of zombie things, they don't like going the logical route. This, This isn't how the book ends, but, like, the zombies, if you try to be logical about zombies, they'd eventually starve. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, eventually they wouldn't be able to sustain themselves and would die.
0: Yeah, or, or if it's uh reanimated dead or like uh walking dead logic, they'd eventually just all rot away.
1: Yes. It rot to a point where their muscles no longer could move them anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, or uh, you know there, there's nature, you know, nature would take hold of them. They'd get mm-hmm. caught up in a storm or they'd get you know, all this kind of stuff. And they, they, I think the the book tries to go a more of a logical route, whereas the movie tries to go a more pseudoscience kind of route. Um, so, yeah. Anyway, worth watching. I think Brad Pitt did a decent job in this film. His wife in this film is an absolute idiot and that is not just coming from me my wife the entire time was yelling like you idiot you were fucking everything you're getting people killed you're an <laughs> idiot the entire time <laughs> and so i thought that was really really funny but yeah did you have any other movies or games or stuff you want to talk about no
0: not right now man i like i just started kirby and all i'll say this is my first entry in the kirby games Uh huh. Um, just because like i've never really had a nintendo really up until the switch so i haven't really played any kirby games the, the only thing i know about kirby is that he turns into whatever he sucks up yeah and so which is really funny in this game because i'm sucking up like vending machines and shooting like soda cans at people and and traffic cones and it's... you become Kirby yet yes i did become carby in the beginning of the game while the intro was going and so it's 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 a it's a good time. It's it's a great way to contrast uh playing Elden Ring. So when I fight whenever I get too frustrated with um Elden Ring, I'll just hop onto Kirby and play a little bit more of a casual experience. Here's my argument. Kirby is a harder game to play. Why
1: is that? Do you see how cute the enemies are in Kirby? Yeah. I, I will agree that i like, bring that up. Would you rather kill one of these horrific monsters in Elden Ring or one of these cute little foxes or dogs in <laughs> in
0: Kirby? Yeah. Which one's more fucked it's, up? It's <laughs> actually really funny because the way those those foxes are, I thought they were allies because they were too cute. They're, yeah, they're too fucking cute, man. <laughs> and you're like, well, I got to kill them. <laughs> it's like, uh, No, you just knock them out. Just, just no, you just- what about when you swallow them? Okay, yeah, they are dead. <laughs> <laughs> and also when you light them on fire. Yeah, that too. That so. too. <laughs> Chop them up, all these different things. Yeah. Uh, I guess they are. Kirby's dead. a little bit of a psychopath. He is a little bit of a psychopath. <laughs> <laughs> mean. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> it's really funny too because I don't I don't know the lore of Kirby. I don't. And so I YouTubed it and it's like a, it was like a brief his, a brief uh history of Kirby. I clicked the video, it's 30 minutes long. Like, this is not brief at all. What the fuck? <laughs> there's really...
1: Some people might try to say there's a through story. There's not. They're, they're all just little separate adventures. Like the Mario games. I was about there's to no, mention
0: Mario. There's no real through story in the Mario games. Or even, we argue, Legend of Zelda. Like Zelda there is. Well, I know I know there is, but at the same time... You gotta time. be careful, man. They'll, they'll come after you, them Zelda fans. But but to m- which I, I get. <laughs> I, I, I know there's there's somewhat of a through story. Yeah. Um, there's multiple. Yeah. But each game feels pretty self-contained. Yes. With the exception of Breath of the Wild, which has which is supposed to have, wait, not supposed. There's a direct sequel to it coming out. Correct. So. That, Plus that, there's that,
1: Zelda offs and.
0: That that's what I mean when I say that, uh, kind of their own story. There's really no through story. Like I know there is a through story with with Legend of Zelda, but each one of those games is self-contained. You don't necessarily have to play the previous game to play the current game. Yeah. That's what I mean. Yeah. Yeah. So. Mm. But. I got one last
1: thing to say. It's going to be super brief. Okay. Uh, I watched one more movie, uh, Between Two Ferns, the movie. Heard of it. Haven't seen it. Okay. So, do you know the, the premise of Between Two Ferns? No. Okay. So, Zach Galifianakis plays himself, and he runs a public access television show where he interviews celebrities, but he does it really poorly. Like, insults them,
0: basically, the whole time. You know, I think I have heard, heard, heard about this. Like, I think they start off as just shorts. Like, I remember one where yeah. where's, uh, he was interviewing Justin Bieber. Yes, but i didn't realize that he made a movie out of it so the in-universe story is that will ferrell uh
1: basically supports zach galifianakis financially to do this show and basically tricks all of his celebrity friends into coming on this horrible show (laughs) where he just kind of makes fun of the people there and uh It's so, it's so like cringe and funny at the same time because he has like all these big name celebrities. So basically, how it starts is Zach Galifianakis, Galifianakis, is interviewing uh, Brad Cooper, Bradley Cooper, Mm -hmm. and the studio ends up flooding, and he briefly kills Bradley Cooper, (laughs) and they end up bringing him back to life. So Bradley Cooper doesn't die in this universe, but. As a result, like, he no longer has any funding. You know, all of his crew is out of a job. And so Will Ferrell's like, listen, you need to make me 10 episodes of Between Two Ferns in 10 days. And if so, I'll give you your own uh, late night show, basically. And he's like, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll do that. I'll do that. And so they... They drive across the country, conning these celebrities into like <laughs> doing interviews with them, and that's kind of like the whole, the premise of that story. And it's really funny. Actually, the funniest part of it is the outtakes at the end of these celebrities just like breaking character while they're being insulted, <laughs> and it, it's it's just really funny. Um, it's not really like a movie per se. It's just kind of like the shorts. Mm-hmm. With a story trying to hold them together,
0: like an anthology almost. Yeah,
1: and honestly, I just enjoy watching the shorts, just kind of seeing yeah. the the celebrities try to keep it together while they're being like <laughs> insulted, and they'll sometimes they'll sometimes insult him back too. Mm-hmm. Like the Steve Carell one, I Have haven't you seen, seen that, that one. one. <laughs> oh my gosh, it's basically like Steve or Carell calling
0: Zach Galifianakis fat, whereas Zach is calling him like a big nose the entire time, <laughs> which is funny because I, they they've been in movies together. They've been in, like Dinner for Schmucks. Have you seen that one? No, I haven't. I saw that one in the theater. That one's really funny. <laughs> so. I thought it was funny at least. It's worth a watch if you if you're really bored and you just want
1: something to laugh to. Mm-hmm. So
0: great. Well, I think that's all that we have to say for the time being. I'm still really tired. Me too, man. And just coffee. The coffee I had doesn't really help anymore. I think I've grown immune to caffeine. Yeah, I was sitting here thinking I need some caffeine
1: and I'm really thirsty, so I'm like ah, I
0: regret not getting something before coming up here. Yeah. I think I think I just need like cocaine or something. I was gonna say Red Bull, but you know Caffeine doesn't help doesn't help with me. Oh. I need that. Oh my god. I could see colours. You just did a can, fat rail wait. of dust off the microphone. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just I said I can see colours. Of course I can see colours, except you. Well, that's it, folks. Thanks for uh, coming to listen to the Super Clash (laughs)
1: podcast.
0: I've been your host, Connor. (laughs) Have a good one. Bye.